0: From my radio days, Ernest Lily and I talked to talented author Lois mcmaster Bujold about her prolific career when we spoke in the late 1990s. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity.
1: Good evening, I'm Tony Talato, And I'm Ernest Lilly. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk, our theme by Larry Carterelli. I like that song, don't you? I'm getting used to it. Yeah, it's catchy, <laughs> isn't it? After 13 weeks, mm-hmm. we should be, right? We cover science fiction, horror, fantasy, comics, and collectibles through live guests and tape interviews. Email us at Talk at AOL.com. Tonight, live on the phone, Nebula and Hugo Award-winning author, Lois McMaster-Boujo. We have a review tonight.
2: The review is uh, Mother of Winter, Barbara Hambly.
1: Sounds interesting. All right.
2: We'll get to that in a minute.
1: Absolutely. As Star Trek First Contact makes record box office runs, I recently asked Patrick Stewart if he would want to follow in Jonathan Frake's steps and direct movies.
0: Although I, uh, one of the charms of this movie is what a wonderfully relaxed and easygoing and cheerful and laid-back performance Jonathan gives in this movie. It's 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 astonishing how, how comfortable he seems to be. Um, but... I have never been able to understand how Mel and and Ken Branagh and and these people direct themselves in major roles. I I don't know how it's possible. Whenever I directed episodes that I had anything to do in, I, I always felt I couldn't act. I felt like a beginner when the acting about. So, no, I wouldn't want to direct something with myself, but I'm I'm actively looking for projects that would be more appropriate to the kind of thing I want to direct to do. It's, it is, it is you know, the best job in the world, directing movies. Well, Ernest, we have an interesting review tonight. Barbara Hamley.
2: Yes, Barbara Hamley. Mother of Winter. Thirteen years ago, Barbara Hamley gave us the third book in the best-selling saga of The Realm of Darweth, a parallel world joined to ours, not through Quinn Mallory's remote, but by dreamers and reality-crossing mages. In the first trilogy, Gil, a history student, turned swordswoman and rudy a california airbrush artist of late a fledgling wizard found themselves in a dark fantasy world wanting only to click their heels thrice and be home but by story's end they had found reasons enough to choose staying gil is in love with the wizard ingold whom she has sworn to protect and rudy with mindale ruler of the keep their adventures are part narnia part lord of the rings and part connecticut yankee in king arthur's court well they're back five years have passed in the realm and gil and rudy are defending their respective loves in this world where magic works but happily ever after doesn't besieged from without by a coming ice age and from within by political struggle for control of the keep gil travels south with ingold to free her from an enchantment that threatens his own life and rudy fends off grotesque creatures from local legend that have only lately turned out to be quite real he also dreams of the Bald Lady, a mage from the ancient days, who holds the key to the failing magics that feed the hydroponic gardens that may be their only hope in the face of the oncoming cold. Barbara Hambly weaves all this into a mystery for her characters to solve through clues entwined in the fabric of life in the realm. The author's background as medievalist and martial artist provide the ring of truth to the characters, especially Gil's sword swordplay, while Rudy's Californian perspective provides an interesting point of view as he regards feudal politics and is in turn regarded by inhabitants of the realm. This well written fantasy reunites us with favorite friends and promises more adventures ahead.
0: Sounds very interesting.
2: There are plenty of Barbara Hamley fans out there who have been waiting for this, I'm sure.
0: Okay, great. There's more with Lois McMaster. Bougeau in a moment.
1: Lois McMaster-Bujold has written a very successful series of novels about her main protagonist, Miles Borkosican. I got it right? Real close, Tony. I was close (laughs) on that one. (laughs) Starting in 1983 with Shards of Honor, which won the Compton Crook Award for a first-time novel, she has gone on to win three Hugos for her series in addition to winning the Nebula and Locus Awards. Welcome to our show, Ms. Boujo. Thank you. Ah, nice to have you. Hi, Lois. It's Ernest. Hi there. You remember Ernest? <laughs> yes. Hi. Well, you know, this character um, is uh, very interesting. Uh, he's probably the, um, probably as far as science fiction, the most fragile action hero uh, in a sci-fi novel. Um, where did he, where did he come from?
3: Well, Miles has a whole bunch of sources. Um, he has a physical template in a hospital pharmacist I used to work with back in my pharmacy technician days. That's where I got Miles' height of four feet nine inches. This fellow's head was level with the top of my shoulder, and I measured that to the wall and discovered that to be four foot nine. Mm. And he had um, the leg braces and the limp when he walked, and certain physical characteristics. He was also one of the most brilliant guys in the, work, in, in the hospital to work with. Uh, but Miles has more of a uh, an emotional template out of my own relationship with my father, one of his... Besetting characteristics is a really bad case of great man's son syndrome,
2: mm-hmm. which I
3: sort of think I share my dad was a, was a very hard act to follow. Uh, he was an old Caltech man and a professor of engineering at Ohio State University, and in fact, where I got my taste for science fiction.
2: Miles thinks he should be six foot one, uh, mm-hmm. but you didn't ever consider making a uh, larger-than-life action hero.
3: Well, that's been done. You know, the... Uh, the thing is, when, when you're playing with, with a genre that's already been worked over Is, is to try to seek, uh, seek the angles think, Seek the points of view that uh, not everyone has done before you um,
2: Lois, to stay in the why isn't Miles something else just for a second And this may be a little bit unfair But, but did you ever consider writing Miles as a woman in the beginning?
3: Hmm. Um, no, although in the very first version of The Warrior's Apprentice He did have a sister who got written out uh-huh. um, I've always sort of missed her but uh,
2: there goes my sister question.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> went away before you know, before the book really really got past about
2: chapter five. Mm-hmm. So it's, for people who aren't tremendously familiar with the stories, mm-hmm. Miles becomes an admiral. Yeah. Um, could you just do a do a real brief thing on what Miles became before memory?
3: Okay. Ah, gee, you we're asking me to sum up ten books here. This <laughs> here. Uh, basically, Miles develops a dual identity. He, he has his identity at home as a as a barrier and a Vor, which is a sort of uh, military aristocrat of his homeworld, which is tough sledding when you're four foot nine and have brittle bones and, and don't fit in at all. And he develops a second identity as a sort of uh, covert ops agent out in the galaxy at large as uh, Admiral Naismith of the Denderry Mercenaries, which is for Miles, a far more satisfying identity. It allows him to uh, to use sort of the full range of of his abilities and talents. And uh, over about a ten year period, uh, uh, by the way, he gets he gets his uh, homeworld's uh, uh, security organization to fund his mercenary fleet, and, and Im- they, uh, Impsec, they
2: and opposing uh, out
3: mm-hmm. for them, yeah, out for them in, in the back beyond, or in the in the great beyond. Um, so he's, he's kind of having his cake and eating it too Throughout, uh, throughout his 20s uh, As he has this one, one identity As, as the, uh, the very active uh, Admiral Naismith And the other as the, uh, the rather dull
0: There's
1: also a little different. bit of um, I'm sorry, there's also a little bit of uh, A detective in him in some of the stories too um, I know that you had read Holmes And, and, and also Lord Peter Whimsey I believe mm-hmm. um, I wanted to ask you What do you think uh, his favorite Holmes story would be?
3: Oh, heavens, that's an interesting off-the-wall question. <laughs> you know, oh, does, does, having, does Miles uh, read? I don't, don't think I remember <laughs> seeing him with a book yeah, in his hand. Well, I there was one scene where he fell asleep reading a novel and ended up stuck in a bog, so I'm not sure how <laughs> assiduously he reads. But, uh, but yes, he does read.
2: I was talking about Miles to Tony, I have been for several days now as a matter of fact, and he said, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of James Kirk and a lot of James Bond in Miles. Absolutely, yeah.
3: Well, Kirk was never my favorite character So I'd draw the line there mm-hmm.
2: Okay Well, it's probably the best parts of Kirk But
3: uh, certainly I, I don't know he's, he's sort of a distant descendant of James Bond Through Flandry From the Paul Anderson stories The uh, mm-hmm. Paul Anderson's Flandry tales Were ones that I loved Back in the back in the early 60s and, Loved Flandry And scarfed up uh,
1: Could we say that he might be more closer to Horatio Hornblower?
3: Uh, Uh, Yeah, he has a little of that, too. He's got a little of uh, T.E. Lawrence. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was also a a short soldier of history whom I studied back in junior high with great interest. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia came out as a movie about that. Mm, And and I went to see it, I think it was seven times. Ended up reading all sorts of things that most eighth graders don't read as a result.
0: We'll get back with Ernest Lilly and I from our radio days with Lois McMaster-Bougeau.
2: Okay, we're going to talk about Memory for a minute. Mm-hmm. Mem- memory's been out a couple months now, and uh, in Memory, you took the sort of adolescent uh, life of wonder that uh, Miles was leading uh, as a covert ops agent, tore it all down, and built him up again. How have the fans been dealing with it, and what comes next?
3: Uh, the fans have been enjoying it very much, because one of the things that, that I give them that makes my work different from you know all the other space operas out there, which it superficially resembles, is the fact that I have characters who really do live and grow and change, and in Miles' case, grow up, not very willingly. Uh,
1: but, uh, <laughs> kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm.
3: Kicking and screaming, he is dragged into kind of you know the next phase of adult existence. He had it. He had it all sewn up for a while, but there were there were there were some flaws with his dual identity. For first of all, it was of course all based on a lie to start with, uh, and then this caught up with him, you know, eventually over time, and he had to finally reconcile and make some, some very difficult choices. Uh, and memory is, is pretty much about this, about uh, he, he split himself apart uh, to solve one problem back in, back in his youth, and now he has to put himself back together to solve uh, another problem uh, in, uh, when he hits age
1: 30. Tony says we've got to take a break. we got to, yes, we have to take a break and uh, pay some bills, as I say. We'll be right back in just a moment. If you're looking for a better way to present or collaborate during your conference calls, your solution is simple, web conferencing with GoToMeeting. During your call, everyone logs on to gotomeeting.com and your computer screen shows up on their computer screens. It's like you're all in the same room. GoToMeeting is perfect for sales or product demos, training or real-time collaboration. Plus, you're not charged per minute like other providers. You can meet as often as you want, as long as you need. With GoToMeeting, you can meet with anyone, anywhere without leaving your office. you are not only save time, but money too. See for yourself. Try GoToMeeting free for 45 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com forward slash podcast. That's GoToMeeting.com forward slash podcast. Try GoToMeeting today.
0: Hi, I'm Damian Kimmler executive producer of Sanctuary, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Talk.
1: Back uh, with myself, Tony Talado, and Ernest Lilly, and Lois Bujol. Hi, Hey, uh, you know, there's something I, I wanted to ask you. I think if you, if you talk to your fans, I think a lot of the reasons they like going to the worlds that you create are the fact that the characters, and they're very strong besides the league, besides Miles. hmm And uh, also I also have a second part to that question. What about his brother, Mark? Where, why, why was the reason for inventing him, and uh, where is he going to go?
3: ooh, where is he going to go is a question that I will only be able to answer by writing a book in, in which he goes there.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, where That's is
3: true. he from? He came from, um, came from, um th- uh, the first, uh, the novel in which he first appeared is called Brothers in Arms. Mm-hmm. And it was my, my first attempt to do a, a clone story sort of, that asks some some pertinent questions like, uh, wouldn't he rather go fishing? And, uh, and other, uh, other sort of, uh, deconstructions of the old doppelganger story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, it was a fun book to write. Uh, it's a space opera that takes place entirely in London, which really questions that definition, uh, in, in which Miles is almost replaced by his, his clone brother, uh, Mark, as, as part of a plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the plot is defeated, and, and Mark is freed. Um, the book, um, book was fun, but it, was, it had two problems. Uh, one, it was hijacked by some of the supporting characters who sort of came alive and galloped off with the plot. Uh, And the other is that it really needed to be from Mark's viewpoint to be about Mark, to really get inside this guy's mind. Uh, So I took a second pass on on the Mark problem uh, when I sat down to write the book Mirror Dance, which went on to win a Hugo.
2: Um, A well-deserved Hugo uh, incident. Thank you.
3: And uh, I I hit the right thing there, which is split the viewpoint between Miles and Mark, and then get rid of Miles for a good part of the middle of the book to give Mark a chance to develop
1: well I think you touched on something it's sometimes when you create characters that are so strong they sort of take you in a way you didn't expect them to because of that because of that strength
3: mm-hmm. And yeah, this is.
2: <laughs> I want. I want to throw a comment in about Mirror yeah. Dance. It's mm-hmm. a. It's a book that starts out, and you realize it's going to be a Mark story. Um, and fans of Miles, uh, myself included, go, "Oh no, a Mark story!" And then by the end of the book, it's, "When's the next Mark and story?" Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. Sticking you through all those changes was was fun and painful and and interesting, and and most people really like it when they're done, but they're really not sure about the middle of the book whether mm-hmm. whether they're going to be going along with this one.
2: There are no more change. There are no changes more fun, painful, and interesting than the ones that happen in the first couple chapters of memory. Though,
3: yes, thank you. <laughs> um, that uh, that does does some of the things to Miles that I that I did to Mark, except that in Miles's problems are in a different different level. Uh, Mark's problems were psychological, and Miles's problems were moral. So we moved it to that sort of different arena. To uh, to give uh, Miles his proper hard time for the book
2: Just one interesting thing about Mark you've revisited the great man problem Mm -hmm. because uh, Mark is in some ways almost the son of, of Miles and he's following in his footsteps as Miles follows his father
3: Yes, I've, I've summed it up as the worst case of sibling rivalry you ever saw. <laughs> uh, as, you know, as an older brother, uh, Miles is an extremely hard act to follow, and if, you've ever, if, ever, if ever you have met a surly middle child who gets tired of hearing about their elder sibling's good grades, yeah, that's Mark.
2: Well, Mark solves it brilliantly.
3: I, I hope so. <laughs> well,
1: uh, when when Ernest and you had talked early in the year, uh, you had said that Warner Brothers had uh, had taken an option on a, I think Warrior the Warriors, Warriors Apprentice. Apprentice. Yeah. yeah, that is correct. Has that uh, moved anywhere? Or well, they
3: renewed the option. Ah, um, and there was there was rumor that a script had been written and was being revised, and hmm. that is all I know at this point.
2: Wow. So the question comes up again. Who could possibly play Miles?
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, and on my um, on my net chat thread. That's one of the perennial topics. Everybody <laughs> else has gotten so tired of it that they moved it off to a sort of a separate chat room on the, on the Internet. <laughs> People who want to talk casting for my books can talk to each other.
1: You know, I heard something. I saw it on the net. Uh, uh, the Vercos, uh Encyclopedia, is that uh, something that you're aware of? The...
3: Uh, this is fan activity. Ah, I think uh it is it is not something that's that's going on officially. This is something someone is doing for a hobby at this point.
1: Well, it's kind of neat to have characters that people care that much about to uh to do that on their own like.
3: Yeah, this is this is sort of my my major sort of literary goal in life. I always <laughs> wanted to create characters that went on living after the book was closed. Um uh, as my favorite characters have for me over the years and mm-hmm. the ones that, you know, that I've loved in literature that have that have gone on making up stories in my head. And um, I consider it a sign of life. I consider it very healthy for the kind of fiction I write.
2: Lois, we have to know, what are you working on currently? What's the next book, and when does it come out?
3: I'd say the next book is up to Chapter 8. It is Dual Viewpoint, set on Kamar. It's Miles' first adventure in his new job, after Memory. A lot Mm. of people haven't read Memory yet, so I won't supply too many spoilers there. Um... From Admiral
2: and, to Accountant
3: Yeah, and it will be Dual <laughs> Viewpoint, Miles And another character No one has met yet um, And what else can I say about it? And it doesn't have a title yet and What's the d- gender Of the other character? Uh, female Ah Let ah. I get, I get, I get <laughs> back to that Female Viewpoint
1: Well, you know There's something that Ernest uh, asked you In the, his previous uh, interview That we ran in our Sci-Fi Talk Frequencies uh-huh. uh, About, you know After Miles, an uh, heir so, is could there be some romantic uh, possibilities between these two characters? Uh, the it, saith not. This this book <laughs> is being kept under
3: uh, okay. wraps until you know.
1: I don't know. I haven't sure seen what
3: I'm doing. Miles, it I doesn't even have a title yet. I haven't seen have Miles
2: get involved with a woman that there wasn't some spark.
3: Mm, yeah, it's 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 a very complex book. Okay, it's a, well, it's a mystery.
1: A... We'll read it, and
3: it has uh, more talk and less physical action than you may be used to in Miles' stories. But uh, I hope it will be interesting nonetheless.
1: Oh, we'll look forward to at least some sparks and uh, mm-hmm. and some other twists and turns, which I'm sure they'll be in those there. Twists
3: too. and turns, we have, yes.
1: Oh, that's good. There's no
3: uh, no lack of
1: those. And and when will this be uh, out? Do you think?
3: Oh heavens, this is. Uh, let's see, it's it's due in debate in, in next June. So mm-hmm. if I finish it on time, um, the earliest they could get it to the publication prob- process would probably put it in uh, early
1: 1998.
3: Wow. Oh, okay. So it'll be a bit of a bit of a wait, but people can read memory while they.
1: All right, wait. There you go uh-huh. And uh, we'd like to thank you for joining us tonight uh, Thank you And we certainly hope to have you back Hopefully before 1998 uh, when the next one comes out Yes indeed <laughs> And <laughs> take care and thanks again And uh, just to remind you folks Memory is available right now at your bookstores Thank you You know, Ern, they go by so fast, don't they? A lot of fun I haven't talked to Lois for a while it's Yeah, great. It's, uh, it's, you know, I'm interested in the new one too It sounds interesting, doesn't it? She's one of my top five authors Yeah, right? really? Part of the thrill of this job is talking to them, you know, to people you read. Send us a line at scifitalk at AOL.com. I'm Tony Tolato. And I'm Ernest
0: Lilly. Miss McMaster Bujol lives in Ohio at 74 years young. Check out her homepage at the Bujol Nexus at dandari.com. That's D-E-N-D-A-R.com. Subscribe for free lifetime access to Sci-Fi Talk Plus for exclusive and uncut episodes. Just click on the link in the show notes. This is Tony Talato. Thanks for listening.